Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to Watch Less, Complex's podcast about movie and TV culture. As always, it's your boy Cal, deputy editor of Complex's Pop Culture, and the homie Fraser Tharp, the summer man, is here as well. Yes, sir. You good? I'm good. Yeah. Can't complain. It's, it's, it's good when we have good TV, I think. This week is going to be a little difficult, only because I know we're both excited about the upcoming Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams produced Lovecraft Country, which premieres on HBO this Sunday. We want to talk about it. We have to make sure we're not as a like crazy spoiler. No. I mean, you know me. I know you. I also just know (laughs) that we're excited about this as well. Black people doing dope shit on on HBO after The Watchmen is always fun. On the home box office, the hardest network out. Facts. Um, I think before we get into that, though, I think there was a, a little bit of housekeeping. Did want to shout out the Alarmist podcast. You can find the Alarmist on Apple Podcasts. Same way you can find Watch Less. Actually, if you're listening to Watch Less, finish listening to this and then go over to the Alarmist. Um, we were featured on this week's episode. The if you don't know about the Alarmist, they kind of break down like crazy feuds in history every week and try and just get down to the bottom of whose fault it was this week. They covered the uh, Kanye West and Taylor Swift feud. Um, Shouts out to Rebecca and her camp over there. We got, it was a really fun conversation. It got a little, a little deeper than I thought it was going to be. But you know, if if you want to take a trip outside of the, the TV and movie realm and want to relive an 11 year old feud that seemingly won't die, you can hear me and Frazier talk about that on the alarmist this week. Was there anything else we needed to get into before we Lovecraft the fuck out of this podcast? Well, Any- in terms of, uh, you know, black people doing dope shit on TV, Fargo finally mm. has a release date. Chris Rock's season. Been waiting for yeah. that one. That's, that's- uh, that one was looking shaky because it was it, a lot of TV that we've seen this year has been in the can. Yeah. For some reason, not, I mean, that's just the way it works out, especially on network TV. Fargo was still filming some of their some of their final episodes, so... I was actually worried about when we, I, I thought we wouldn't see that till 21 almost at this point. No, yeah, I, I assumed it wasn't coming this year, but then they hear that they, they set the premiere date for September 27th of 2020. That's yeah. I, I wonder, I'm going to assume that means they're complete. They finished everything. I guess are they, they are confident enough. I feel like they only had like two to three episodes left to film. So okay. I guess if they, it's like a, what, probably 12 episode season or something. I think 10 that's to 12. Like, yeah. So I guess they're confident that they can wrap up those last couple and get in the air, which is a really good sign because, you know, just just a month ago, I think people like uh, I think the ringer and places are running pieces like, are we about to hit the end of TV? Meaning, yes, if it can't go back into production, are we literally is the well literally going to run dry. 
which is a, a funny concept when you think of how much TV and how much new shit comes out every week. But I, I think, you know, that that specifically is more focused to like new current. Yeah. I mean, to me, I was never I'm never worried about a draw. Like I still. Yeah. I was talking yeah. to my uncle the other day about how I still haven't watched the West Wing. Has your uncle seen himself on TV yet? <laughs> yeah, I did I show see- <laughs> He said he said you ain't shit for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time I see that Burger King commercial and that brother pulls up waiting to get his food, I'm like, that's I, I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize, man. Uncle, I apologize. But uh, you know, that shit was too funny, my bad. Um, but yeah, and I like I said, I take my glasses off. I look like him or I look like Suge Knight. So hey, I get it all the time. Anyway. Definitely. I guess we'll we'll get into Lovecraft Country really quickly after this break. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back again. This is the official. This might turn into a Lovecraft Country podcast. I'm joking, but I'm. After seeing the episode that people are going to see, the, the pilot episode for season one, I'm very excited. Very dope pilot. And, um, you know, it's always dope to be excited about a new show. I think one of the crazy things that's happened with Peak TV is that it really kind of, even people like us that are committed to trying, it really kind of shortens your attention span. And you have yeah. a much shorter fuse, even knowing that, like, we've talked about this before, a great pilot is a rarity mm-hmm. you know you more so watch a pilot for potential and to see where it goes yeah so it's really dope to have a show that's like i'm all in on this from the first episode i mean and you only watched one episode i watched uh they gave us five i watched five. four i started the first again shouts out to being not having to worry about not working during the quarantine it's been a, v- a very busy last couple of months so by the time I got I locked in to watch Lovecraft Country. It was kind of late and I was pissed because I'm like, shit, this is so good. I could run easily run through two or three episodes back to back. I think. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I housed those over the weekend. Crazy because I really like the Watchmen premiere as well. Mm-hmm. But I and I think I don't want to compare them. You're saying one is better than the other. I think they both do very good things just in different ways. I think the way the way Watchmen rolled things out, like I always likened it to like a puzzle box where. uh you're given parameters and you kind of understand the structure, but you're not given everything. And watching the show is trying to fit those pieces into the puzzle. I think with Lovecraft, it's like, boom, this shit is crazy during like an equally fucked up moment of time in America. (laughs) Strap in. I really wanted to go into this as fresh as possible. And I think that's kind of credit to the way Jordan Peele and JJ Abrams have picked things to produce and pick things to work on they're so interesting premise wise that i'm hooked before i press play you know what i mean definitely yeah i mean i didn't even watch the, I, like there there was a trailer like in june or something and i watched that once and then went into these screeners yeah. pretty cold like i watched that that trailer when it dropped and then and, you know 
I didn't really have any idea of what we're going into. The trailer had a particular song in it. Was it James Brown? Pardon me. I believe it was James. Because I think it, it, it did the thing that... um The Jordan Peele, the Jordan horror, Peele. Uh, creepify the song, slow yeah. down thing. How close is he to that being a gimmick, though? Well, what? it ha- Did it happen with Get Out? What did Get Out have a song? Get Out re- had Redbone in the movie, but I don't think it had no, a song. No, it didn't happen to get, with Get Out. He first did it with us. Mm-hmm. And now this. And now this. So, but um, I mean, it, you know, one more and it kind of becomes like, oh no, Candyman. Yes, there was a. Uh... And, you know, speaking of Candyman, I think that's a perfect segue to point one thing out, which is that, you know, we, we get hype over executive producers for sure. And yes. that's, you know, Jordan Peele, one of the best out right now. J.J. Mm. Abrams. A guy I grew up on, you know, rewatching Alias right now. Here you uh, go. You know, but we have to shout out the actual creators behind this. You know, these are these are instances of those two legends championing people to go do yes. what they want. So Lovecraft Country is actually run by uh, Misha Green, who's doing a great job so far. Misha's got. I mean, uh, you figure? I didn't realize Misha had worked on Heroes and Sons of Anarchy, but Misha Misha was also the creative and executive producer of Underground. Yeah, which I I th- I didn't re- I didn't realize the correlation between this and Underground because that had Journey Smollett in as well. Um, that was a, a WGN America show that I think it only had a couple of seasons in like 2016, 2017. Yeah, I never watched anything on WGN, but I feel no. like they're underrated a little bit. I I well, the th- I always knew of WGN as a local Chicago station. I would you you it for some reason it was big enough to where it could play in Jersey, but I would always get like Chicago Bulls games on it. I think it wasn't until maybe the last like ten years or so where they really started saying, okay, let's uh let's try and dip our toe into some some original content. Yeah, apparently the same year that Underground was on its second season, Misha Green was working on Lovecraft Country. It's interesting to think I remember I remember Underground getting a season. I remember getting a second season. I'm pretty sure John Legend was an executive producer on it. And word is is that the same year, 2017, when it, it its second season was on, Misha started working on Lovecraft Country, which is based off of a horror novel Lovecraft Country from 2016 written by Matt Ruff which literally slams the world HP Lovecraft's horror fiction with the Jim Crow racism of the South in the United States which sadly was not that far ago I didn't realize that um the novel was was so not so long ago Yeah well that's the funny thing is you know it's always funny when those things come together so quickly If you're not in the world of books or at least like New York time bestsellers, you wouldn't realize how much just regular novels are flipped into TV shows. And it's almost to the point where these things are when, when the book is being sold, the TV rights of the movie. Right. Yeah. It's right there. You can picture like the executive on page 10, like negotiating the TV rights, you know, that, for 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 people that remember and are fans of you, when we talk to you know the the, the people behind you, you know, shouts out to them. Um, the the whole situation was that the book got sold. Um, I believe she started working on the second book, or the second book might have been out. Whatever the situation was, the TV deal was there. That's and now they're in it. a now they're in a situation where they have two books, 
two seasons of a show and a third book being written for the third season, season of the show. Like it's it Although, is a, I guess COVID probably gave her the edge on that a little bit. Oh no, one hundred percent. I mean, it was it was very smart to do that. But I, I think even still, you know, just the idea of you know what is it, little fires everywhere. You know, a, a lot of you know big little lies. Like a lot of these things are based off of. You know, books, whether Gone Girl, uh, Sharp Objects, yeah, they're they're all books and and, and, all and fairly and, recent. Yeah, it's it's not like Stephen King where it's like a 1991 novel being turned into a 2022 movie. It's like, all right, that book came out two years ago. That's actually kind of dope. It's yeah. kind of it's like because you know, it's it's more reassuring than the idea of people reaching back decades to find new ideas. Facts, and and I think this is cool because you're not having to mine, like a lot of people are mining, or at least they were mining comic books and graphic novels for a lot of things. So it's interesting that uh, you know, we were able to get something like this that is so splashy and big, being from a book as opposed to like some crazy you know comic book book, which is what is normally normally expected. Also, I just want to shout out though, when we were talking about Misha Green and her bona fides. She was mm-hmm. part of, and this is something I yell about on Twitter all the time. She was, we mentioned how she was a staff writer on Sons of Anarchy. She was part of the best season of Sons of Anarchy. So, you know, shouts the, the, shouts the, out the to one year when Sons of Anarchy was the best <laughs> show on TV. No shots at Drake. Me, me, she was the out biggest there fan out. <laughs> so, all right, let, let's get let's into, get into this show. pilot that she wrote, though. Now, the, one of the early thoughts that I had, and I, I've not seen the Green Book. And I was glad that they actually included like the real, you know, Phil Negro's, you know, Green Book or what have you. Right. But this this felt like the most twisted version of the Green Book that actually felt like something I'd watch as opposed to the, the actual Oscar winning film. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 funny that Jordan found this because mm-hmm. the whole concept of, you know, you get a lot of we were talking about this before you aired, but systemic racism informs horror Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are, well, that's like one of the best marriages of horror, you know, that subgenre that deals with racism. You know, we think about some just like Candyman off top. Yeah. So it is, you know, this is so up, up Jordan Peele's alley and it really is. And I, would, I have to read the book to see how well the book does it. But it's genius the way they, they put these two together. And it's like 45 minutes before horror even enters. Yes. Which is, which the is realm the of things. It's, it's just it's pretty much all you know 1955 vibes and and just crazy and the horror is the racist sheriff you know and it's yes. it's such a interesting time to go back and look at like i know you haven't there's a, a reference in a later episode to martin luther king mm-hmm. as he's as he's on the come up yeah i mean i think even like one one of the the illest things you see early in the show is because uh, it, it sets the tone like you know he's he's the premise is we don't know where jonathan major's character's father is so he, he's going back to he, he's going on a journey to find his father he's trying to figure out what's going on there but one of the first images we see of him in the real world is him on a bus and he's in the back of the bus and there's a clear sign on the bus that says you know you know no you know black people only after this point like they 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 stamp it very very early on that uh you know he's in the thick of it he's in the thick of it to the point where you you (laughs) i i i think recently i forget why it came up probably because of the black Lives matter movement a lot of the different protests that were coming up but the idea of sundown towns I I was looking at that maybe a month ago, and then my man said it. And I'm like, shit, like stuff like a ima- 
fuck the monsters fuck the whore imagine being in a situation where like bet uh i need to get out before the sun goes down so or they, they won't I mean, find me yeah i mean so you know we're previewing the episode even though the embargo lifted so we're not going to spoil heavy but Fact. there is a specific sequence that is scarier than anything supernatural yeah. that pops up you know when they are in a, a sundown town situation it's almost like a a race against the clock and like you you know you invoked black lives matter and it's really crazy to live in everything that's going on right now and look at this series and really just be wowed that it was barely like 50 years ago yeah i like mean some it... of these situations like with the diner and um mm-hmm. you know you'll see in later episodes about they deal with uh black folks legally moving into a neighborhood that's considered a white neighborhood and yes. all the, you know, the persecution they face there. And the, the, there's a scene where the cops drive by and look at them being harassed mm-hmm. and laugh, you know, yeah. shit like that is just so, uh, obviously we all know this, we all learn this, we all grew up on this, but it's just so infuriating to see yeah. it still. And then really just do the math in your head. Like this wasn't that long ago and look no. at the way things are now and look at the way people are complaining, like, you know, people like why are you guys complaining all lives matter type of shit it's like to even look at what's been going on in this really short amount of time like you know this series is set five years before my dad was born i was that was the one thing i was like you you mentioned you know the diner scenes and things like that it's like some of us have family members some of us there are some people that are alive that had to go through shit like that and it's it's you know i don't want to i i would hate for the the entirety of lovecraft country to be like a a watchman comparison type thing. And again, I don't think it's disrespect at all because they're both, it seems like they're both operating at very high levels of, you know, prestige television, but it wasn't even a year ago where people were astonished about learning about, you know, the, uh, Tulsa. The, the, the Tulsa massacre and things like that. And that was about a hundred years ago. This is stuff that happened sooner than that. And it wasn't, it's not even like a great, like a grand two day massacre. It's like every day. I have to go eat. I have to figure I have, my brain is wired to think, okay, there's a certain section of this spot where these people don't like eat. Don't even want me to be in there. I can only be over here and I have to take all of this. Yeah. To like continue on. Courtney B Vance insisting they eat at the diner. It's like, man, I don't know if this is worth it, bro. All right. All right. All right you all right. The show's leads. And I want to talk about the leads. Cause I think Jonathan majors and journey are doing a very good job. So let's tell the people about Jonathan Majors real quick because you have been yelling at that about that guy for the better part of a year now. Well, and, and uh, like, all right, all right, because we don't have to go back that far. You know, we talked about the Five Bloods yes. maybe a month ago. He was Delroy. Delroy Lindo needs that Oscar nomination. Jonathan Majors was the perfect person to play his son in that film. They've, they, yeah, you, you you feel like he's. I don't want to say I don't want to see him doing comedy. But I think Jonathan Majors excels where he has to do a lot more emotional stuff, a lot more drama stuff, stuff where you can really feel it. I hope you guys didn't sleep on The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I was just about to say, we, we had talked about that with Karina. Like, that is probably one of the more egregious snubs yes. of this past award season. Like, the everything about that film. But Jonathan Majors yeah. was only supporting. Well, you can consider them co-leads almost. Yeah. But, yeah. man. I, thinking, I'm thinking about like the play scene, you know, <laughs> he did his, he, he was doing the damn thing throughout that entire film. Hell, just even 
it, it was funny to see one of the first shots of him in Lovecraft being him just sitting on the side of the road reading because it it it, came, it looked like it came right out of the last man last black man in San Francisco. He did a right. lot of just like he I think he was doing more drawing in that film, but there were a lot of just like wide shots him placed right in the middle. There was some it was a lot of really good photography in here. He's great, I think. I want to say this is the best I've seen Journey in something for a while. Like, dude, I'm, I was you just took the words out of my mouth. I was after Birds of Prey, which I'm gonna assume either she was chilling or her best stuff got left, you know, in the well, editing. You room. know, and and a sidebar about that is, you know, not every some people just can't work in that camp regard. Yeah, well, and that that's well. A, like some people are just better suited to it than others. Because I don't, I don't even want to say it was like, oh, it was an action film. Because like. Both her and Johnson get they they have to be involved. You know, they're running, they're shooting, they're dr- there's a lot of shit going on for both of them outside of just, you know, like when you think about um, you know, something like X-Men, like Ian McKellen and the, those dudes are like theater theater yeah. legends like <laughs> yeah, you're they're you're real theater legends like mastering bringing comic books to life in a in a believable enjoyable way so i don't you know i didn't love her in that movie but i don't hold it against her yeah but she is you haven't even seen like her she has a showcase episode in episode three. Oh, where which we'll talk about in, in death a little later but um she's really doing great work okay i again i i she's one that i've probably i've seen grow up i remember her being on full house she was Michelle Tanner's friend back in the day but i think the one big film that a lot of people remember journey from was eve's bayou where she uh, she was act- acting alongside Samuel Jackson and, and, and a number of other uh, amazing black actors. But, you know, she was very young. Journey Smollett was 10 years old when they did Eve's Bayou. That would have been late 90s. She was a queen back then. And I think 97. Yeah. And, and, and it's it's dope now to see her. And and again, not like I said, she she worked with Misha on Underground before. And I think a lot of people started taking notice to what she could do on that show a couple of years ago. But she's been she's been working. But I think it's dope that she's now able to be on this type of platform with HBO. And then to see her now as Letty singing again, but also just like. I feel like none of the, the small kids will always gravitate to it. They always need a job that allows them to flex their singing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it was again, it, it was it was just fun, but it, it was also cool. To, but that that's my thing with the with the with the pilot. It's not just that they're doing one thing really well they're they're doing everything great we're getting to see like uh, the, i feel like i this is a world that i'm living in you know what i'm saying we mentioned how the horror supernatural elements don't really come into play until late in the pilot mm-hmm. which is uh actually you know a good feat on, on misha's part of character investment too like you know before you get to the crazy plot stuff the best science fiction shows which is why lost will always exceed you know the, the imitators is actually caring and investing in the characters to begin with so there's a lot of time spent on character development and like you know letty's family and and shit like that that you know you really need to care about once the monsters start coming out of the ground and shit (laughs) so but you know it's crazy because as great as all that shit is if they wanted to just keep it a 1955 jim crow era you know family drama that would have been dope because the situation that sets the show up is that uh jonathan major's character atticus they call tick for short Mm -hmm. is returning home to chicago so it has that element of where everyone knows each other everyone grew up with each other everyone has backstory Mm -hmm. with each other that is a really rich playing field you mentioned courtney b vance the legend can we just talk about how he's killing it right now like he 
Is he ever home? Well, the, the, he he was home for a minute. He he, he starts the show. He was right at home. No, I'm I'm saying uh, is Courtney. Oh, um, actor he, he ever stays home? Like, Courtney stays working. He, he was is, his credits are crazy right now. He was in um, Uncorked. He was in. He's in Project Powered, which drops this Friday. Jamie Foxx and our previous Watch Less guest, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, are featured in that alongside, uh, what's your name, your man, Alan Maldonado? Yeah. Yeah, he's in there too. I was surprised when I saw Courtney B. Vance listed on Lovecraft as a supporting. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I'm seeing him more than I'm seeing everybody else. And it's not like he's uh, just, he's, he's in the thick of it. You know, he's doing this shit as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, the pilot starts with uh, Atticus searching for his dad. But if you watch the trailer, you know that his dad is played by HBO stalwart Michael K. Williams. So it's they stacked, stacked the cast. They really stacked the deck with it. So I want to talk a little bit about the things that excited me about this show. And Go ahead. part of that is the structure. So without spoiling it for you and because we don't want to spoil it for the, the folks at home listening, I hate, mm-hmm. I hate the screener crowd that always is like, oh. You won't believe this Word. when the tweets on the embargo lifts. Mm-hmm. But the structure of the season is really cool to me. You know, we talked about JJ and past shows that he's done and, and just shows of this ilk, like as unique as this show is, most of these shows follow a kind of blueprint. Like you think this, you know, this is roughly going to happen around the middle of the season and the season finale might be this. Yeah. The from episode two on the structure takes all these wild leaps where two things happen. I never know where the story is going to go. Okay. And you never really know what type of um, show you're going to get. Like uh, mm-hmm. episode three is interesting for two reasons, because it's kind of like a self-contained ghost story mm. vibe. But it's also a self-contained episode in terms of like the narrative. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when, when we see serialized TV, especially as they get shorter and shorter, there's really no such thing as the... Um, the procedural element or the standalone episode anymore like pretty much every episode has to do with like some big overarching plot yeah it's got to drive the story at some point and so i was i was really dope to see that you know they were also slowing down to um just kind of present self-contained spooky stories in this area mm-hmm. and actually i got a shout out complex lmgian mm-hmm. he and i were texting about this show because i guess he has the screeners too mm-hmm. and he compared it to erie indiana almost, oh okay like, Mm-hmm. Which was which was a dope left field comparison for me. Now that that shows nobody shit. <laughs> nobody listening to this podcast knows anything about Erie, Indiana. The yeah, show if you don't, you're show. slacking. I remember, I remember when that used to, that because that was what er, that was early nineties, right? That was like dude, really I used 90s. to fucking love that show. And yeah. but he he used it as a way to say, which goes back to the pilot. It's it's always dope. It can always be tedious when you when you're watching something science fiction mm-hmm. that's grounded in the real world when people have to accept something that's going on yeah and the really dope thing about this pilot is that even though again the elements don't really come in until the back half once shit starts popping off mostly just because they're uh you know atticus and and his uncle played by courtney b vance are fans mm-hmm. of science fiction yes they really just start accepting and yeah. citing shit like there's no there's no disbelief element no going yeah. on it, it reminds me, I don't know, and this is such a stupid comparison, but it's perfect uh, if you've seen it. it, it did, did you or anybody ever see The Rock starring uh, in a Journey to the, the Mysterious Island or whatever? 
Did you ever see that? Journey to the Center of the, the Earth. No, the, the the sequel. Because that was the Brendan Fraser movie. Yeah. It was one that came after, which was the No, I didn't, I didn't see the sequel. But they did. They So, again, they cite mm. that movie. Yes. And um, the original, obviously, because mm. it's 1955. Mm. They cite that in, 19, in episode four, mm-hmm. which is almost mm. like an adventure. Like, dude, I don't know if it's temp. Because you haven't, so the well, no, yeah, I did see in two. There, I mean, a lot of this, the screeners that we got are not final, right? So there's, you know, which is typical. There's temp yeah, music. Yeah. There's a lot of temp ADR, which is kind of annoying, but it mm-hmm. is what it is. But they actually, and only I would know this, they yeah. actually play like the Mummy score <laughs> while they're on like some big adventure, like you know, underground cave mission. And I was like, this better be tent music. It's gotta be. I th- I remember being so pissed. The first time I really understood like how different a show could be. I think I was the second or third episode of a uh, season two of Atlanta. Cause they, those were temp episodes. And what, what I was trying, this is, this is how the sausage is made. We had gotten maybe three or four episodes live and I knew full well that we were going to do our weekly post of the music that was going to be on the episode every week. So I was like, shit, bet. I'm going to have episode two ready. Da, 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 da. I'm Shazam and shit. I don't know. Like I had it, everything there. Episode airs on FX. I'm like, yeah, this song's wrong. Like you could, like, they just had, they, there were so many temp tracks that were flipped in the Atlanta show that it was by the time the episode came out, it was a totally different soundtrack. I thought I was being smart. I actually look like a fool, but hey, we still had it go. But I think that that's it, it kind of speaks to just where the, the, the influences are for the show and everything they're pulling from. Because I think in, in Journey 2, I didn't see the, the Brendan Fraser one, but I saw the one with The Rock in theaters. The idea was that, oh, we know all about this land. We've read about it and no one's ever seen it before, but we're now we're the people that need to be on this trip because we have the knowledge for it it was kind of corny in that film because it's very convenient some of the shit but again in the pilot it's like there are references to like certain things that you you if you're a rational person like that doesn't make any fucking sense but because they know about it when when things do start happening they don't shy away they're like all right fuck it let's go that exactly and that was you know a lesser show would have taken episode three's plot and had people still resistant to the idea. Mm-hmm. But by then, you know, the characters had seen so much. They're like, oh, even though this is unrelated to the things we went through in the first two episodes, I'm just going to accept that right. this is possible. Like, you know, our, our eyes are open. So it's really dope. And it's really it leaves me in a place where like I don't like I don't know what episode five is going to be at all in terms of tone or story, which is a really exciting way to feel about a show, because at this point, you know, you kind of feel like you've seen yeah. Even if you haven't seen it, you've seen it. You know, yeah. like even the best, some of the best things have familiar beats Word. that they all follow. Yeah. And again, that's like earlier when I was mentioning, you know, how it wasn't a one to one, but I was watching the, the pilot. I was feeling Watchmen vibes. And I, and, and I don't want to say I, Lovecraft isn't similar to Watchmen to me at all. I think it's just the idea of a new school show that's pulling references to a couple of different things to kind of highlight these things that I know about, but the audience who might be watching this right now, especially during a quarantine where they have nothing else to do, but watch an HBO show, then fucking Google, whatever the references were. Yeah. They'll be able to pick up on some of these things. And and again, you, you, you mentioned being surprised that Jordan Peele picked it. I'm surprised that, it, you know, Jordan Peele found this as well, but ultimately this feels like what Jordan Peele should have been spending his time on as opposed to some of the, uh, 
the the Twilight Zone, the Twilight Zone, CBS, all access. No disrespect, but any even Creepshow. I'm watching this. I'm like, yo, Creepshow. They had plots that were similar to some of these things, but they like if if they just took like two seconds or a couple of minutes and like thought things through a little bit or thought of a different way to do things. Um, it wouldn't come off as, you know, being more generic for a horror thing, which is already so oversaturated. And again, you know, episode three kind of like episode four gets back into the, the nature of the series, the nature of the larger narrative and shit. Mm -hmm. But episode three, again, had me prepared for like, Oh, this show could easily just be a kind of the procedural version of prestige tv yeah where we just know every week we're gonna get some weird shit and it's not maybe not necessarily connected to some like serialized thing that keeps building yeah and it's like man th this is shitting on whatever dude did with the twilight zone like it, it could easily be that and blow that out the water and be relevant you could you could admit that, like in a, in a much easier way than the Sonali than racist cop yeah underground railroad episode is well because i remember and i wasn't thinking about this till just now but there was a couple of years ago actually maybe like four years ago i think there was a time where m night Shyamalan was uh supposed to be rebooting tales from the crypt for tnt at the time, people were tripping because he wasn't bringing back the Crypt Keeper or whatever. And that was like the one iconic character. People forget there were hundreds of episodes of Tales from the Crypt. A lot of them were really fucking uh, innovative, especially for like a half hour horror show. But anyway, his idea at one point was rumored to have been instead of 10 or 12 not connected stories, it would be a season where it would be one long story throughout the episodes. And I'm wondering if... I'm glad it happened this way. I'm actually, I prefer it now, but could Jordan have done that with Twilight Zone? And instead of doing these rehashes and these flips of older tales with like a modern society spin, jump both feet in and take a tale as insane as this, do what you want to do anyway, because it's, you can still curse. It's still streaming. I mean, I don't know how, sexual i mean i only watched the first episode but there's like one there's a couple of scenes in the first episode where it's like shit it's it's definitely adult yeah yeah uh episode three gets adult i see i don't i don't know if cbs all access can do that but i i i would love to see a creep show or a twilight zone tackle a story that's this fucking bananas and be able to do it for a whole. I feel like you can get more fun out of, cause those shows are, and they're done for fun. It's not like people are do, doing creep show to be like some serious, you know, elevated horror thing or whatever. It's just, I don't right. want to say my, it's just popcorn, you know, scares and shit, but you can have a little fun in that area and still turn out a season of, of dope products. So I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm maybe it's because JJ Abrams came around and they signed to HBO. I don't know, but Jordan might want to think about this for future seasons of Twilight Zone. I mean, anything, anything to, to break <laughs> out of that, that thing right now. But you know, you did, you, you know, you were bringing up Watchmen. I think it is also very interesting to highlight the way HBO is really putting their money with their mouth is for black creators. You know, I think um, just this year alone, you look at Insecure with uh i may destroy you mm -hmm. with lovecraft country with watchmen what is now which this year racked up like how many emmy nominations yes. like yeah they're they're really throwing their support behind um black tales and black creators yes yeah even if it's stuff like you know random 
random acts of flyness. And exactly. There, there's a there's a lot of and th- and that's even crazier because that's a a smaller, more eccentric black creative that they're there and, and they've not just said, "Hey, create a show within these guidelines." They're like, "Bet you here, take some money, do some dope woke shit, you know, and and, and we'll put it on TV." And it, and it it definitely pushes the envelope. Um, shouts out to HBO. I don't know. Again, it, it's one of those things where any changes at a production company usually are seen maybe two or three years down the line shouts out to whoever greenlit lovecraft country i'm I definitely can... gonna gonna give that to the the legend casey Bloys. yeah it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in hbo with uh changes at warner media i mean and it's 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 probably not just hbo i think it's like warner in general because I think yeah. some of some of those changes even have like surprising ramifications, like you know what they just started getting back into pro wrestling and shouts out David Arquette, but um they they put on a, like a weekly product and the guy who one of the guys who was really backing that at Warner got let go, so who knows what's gonna happen? It's gonna be an interesting time with them. I guess right now we should just relish in the fact that HBO's got a lot of fire and a lot of fire coming from a very talented black creatives as well. Yeah, and I, you know like. It's going to be interesting to see how people react to the show. Hopefully mm-hmm. everyone flocks to it. Everyone supports it. And it, it just scratches that, that, you know, that genre itch too. Yes. Yeah. It'll, it'll be in a summer that doesn't have a euphoria or a succession. I think Lovecraft country could be a good, because it's a JJ Abrams show with Jordan Peele. There's a lot of, you know, I, I can't get into a lot of the hidden like Easter eggs and things, but I think, Pay attention to like a lot of the books that are being read. You know, I think some of the uh, the, the the musical cues could give some insight on some of the deeper vibes that are in the show. Oh, that is that is what I wanted to talk about, too. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. How do we feel it's, you know, the period piece that is not beholden to period music? Like there is definitely a Tierra Whack drop in the pilot. I yeah, think. it was weird. Um, And it, it does continue on in the next episodes. It's kind of like an even split. I prefer music of the time period it didn't throw me off in here compared to some other shows that i've seen i will say that i think well they, they're not trying to force feed it which is good it is a little sparing it, it never feels like you're watching insecure or yeah, like no. entourage the the madam cj walker show that was on netflix that the the fact like it, and it, it was because that show was like the time period was old this is older than you know lovecraft and just like the big trap drums like it, it took me out of a lot of the scenes <laughs> immediately i i mean i i imagine it's hard to license some of those songs or what, what could you even do for like you know 1920s america you know if you're really trying to get a unique sound bed they had that and they had the well they had the car chase in the pilot and i'm thinking like the way this is shot yeah it, it keeps you locked in but it, these cars probably couldn't go like what 30 miles per hour tops not like in 55 like what are they really... <laughs> any of the time <laughs> they frames, like the pedal to the metal type shit without without spoiling anything any of the time frames they had to get to these places seems very exaggerated based off of the uh, car selection but yeah i think this is going to be an interesting show for people to watch i want to hear what people think about it when they watch hit us up at complex pop on twitter and instagram like it, hopefully this show has a timeline going ham like uh watchman did I think it's 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 a similar vibe in terms of race, but also like education, what you can learn from, you know, just your, your entertainment. I think that stuff is dope. Again, Sunday, August 16th, 9 p.m. HBO. Shit, check that out. Oh, and super producer Taliba just dropped in a, a quote from Misha that I've always had this preoccupation with what we're willing to do for metaphorical and physical survival. 
horror just moves toward that in a really easy way, which is, you know, kind of goes back to what we were talking about, a way, about the way that, you know, horror is a great way to inform some of the real world situations that Facts. we still can't believe happened and, and kind of give it they give it the appropriate weight, mm-hmm. but also not make it like this dour, hard to watch. 100 percent you know, kind of just a difficult thing to sit through. And she cites, you know, we were talking about Erie, Indiana. She cites some of her interests growing up as like Goosebumps and mm-hmm. Stephen King. So yeah, and Aliens. It all, it all, I mean, it, it all fits and it's got that vibe, but it's also, it doesn't feel like it's a, a rehash of any of that stuff, which is the important part. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we keep talking about JJ and, and Jordan, but this has me really excited about uh misha as a, a auteur herself you know and a virgin yeah. one like i might want to go back and check out underground and definitely exactly. am hyped to see what she does next at the, at the very least you're going to rewatch that one season of sons of anarchy it was already gonna happen <laughs> you know always me trying to roast drake about loving sons of anarchy just made me think about how much i love sons of anarchy. <laughs> these things happen before we get at i wanted to touch on a, a couple of pro- topics really briefly i saw the timeline going crazy over this shia labeouf iceman mcu rumor i mean i can see it i i, I think i can see i i, I feel like it's it, it might be i might might be a waste it's like it would have to be a story that really beefed up Iceman's well, I was, like, character. Because is, is, I didn't hear anything if there's supposed to be an Iceman film. Like, I want to see Shia as an Iceman in a film. I don't want Shia as Iceman with six other motherfuckers on a, on a jet somewhere. Like, give me a I, real I mean, Shia story. Does, does Iceman need his own film, though? Uh, probably not you could it could be done Iceman has his own comics and i think in the comics he might be i'm pretty sure that he he's either homosexual or he might be bisexual i'm not sure of his orientation but he's definitely oh he, i don't even know if he's married but they had a see they had an Iceman comic book series it could be it could be done but again i think it would need to be like a one Iceman film to really give shia well, I, I I mean, but on the, just to play devil's advocate, though, if you're looking at an ensemble cast that's casting, you know, a committed thespian like Shia LaBeouf just as like a third or fourth stringer, that is that does have me excited about what other casting they're pursuing for, you know, people like a Wolverine or a Professor X. So, Fact. but I mean, we could do a whole episode about where we want to see X Men go under yeah. the MCU. Like, I'm still personally of the mind that X Men is most best suited for. A TV show, that would be dope. It, it, you so, got to do, you got to do it right though. It may, may, it'll yeah. probably be a Disney Plus series. Yeah, but I mean, but Shy is not doing TV. I don't think so. No, this you, definitely sounds like they're moving back in the theatrical. It said it said MCU, but I, I think I think we also need to figure that we don't know what the X Men and the MCU is right now. There's not much. I is New Mutants even still coming out anytime soon? I think it's on the docket God. for this month, but why'd you bring up that cursed movie? I just saw the other day. Someone's like, you know, it's still on, on, on to, on the coming in theaters in August. I'm like, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I don't think, I don't think Disney is close enough to know what the MCU is yet to say, this is a pick we have for Iceman. But yeah, you know, if you want to run with it in fantasy book, your X X men, go ahead. Shit. Let us know at complex pop Twitter and Instagram. In keeping with our HBO standum, definitely want to give a shout out to uh, some things they had that had finales recently. I'll Be Gone in the Dark was a really dope true crime doc, a different type of true crime doc in the way that it grounded 
more the family and the victims. You know, it's uh, Patton Oswalt's late wife was a, a dogged reporter and kind of, you know, was instrumental in bringing the Golden State Killer case to life and mm-hmm. actually getting him caught. Yeah. So they tell that story really well over six episodes. Harry Mason wrapped up an eight-episode run, which was, you know, at times a uh, prestige TV, like, fanfic almost like it, it we were talking about how things can be familiar like this was mm-hmm. the most you know dark gritty murdered but babies it's fu- like a- angel dug it though corruption <laughs> angel like no it. I, I i liked i liked it kind of the same reason angel liked it more for the vibe it's gotcha. like a it's in 1930s it's a genuine noir vibe mm-hmm. and matthew reese is one of the best actors out so that got renewed and it's more of a situation where I think it's going to set up a better second season because the characters are all good. The mystery was, was a little whatever, but I got to check that out. Know. I still need to. There's still a couple things I need to finish, but like. Is Perry Mason high on my list? Not right now. Not right it, now. it doesn't it doesn't need to be high, but it's dope. It's not it's not eight hours well spent, but some of those episodes are long. Crack. Oh, geez. OK. You know, like it just had me checking my phone. <laughs> It was one of those situations where they gave the full season. I, I could have been been done with the show, but I only like finished it last week. Got you, got you. Know? you. I mean, I guess we'll. I'll I'll watch it at some point, but it's the middle of August, just about. And I'm chilling right now. Um, oh, Taliba also left us a great quote to end with, just as we wrap up talking about Lovecraft. That kind of goes back to what we were talking about where they say black safety is always wrapped up in horror. I don't have much to bring that anxiety out because it's already there. Only a minority of Americans are not part of the movement right now, but they've gotten really good at distracting us and making sure we don't ever feel empathy and don't collectively come together. This is also part of what Lovecraft country is about. How does this family deal with its shame and pain to come together to fight against this thing? And what does it mean to take that power? Mm. What and who can you be once you take that back and own it yourself? Shit. Man, Lovecraft Country Sunday, yeah, <laughs> HBO August 16th, 9 p.m. HBO. Expect to see some more about that on dot com in the future. What I want to do is you know, there, there's there's some things that'll be, be happening. Listen to this episode if you're interested, watch the show Sunday, and then go back to the website uh next week. Uh, we, we should have some more insights, some more conversations up there for you. Wanted to finally for a, a piece of content that a lot of you haven't seen before and you might want to check out over the next couple of days. It was announced this week. Like actually Kenya Barris announced it this week that, uh, the episode of blackish that essentially snowballed into him leaving ABC is finally on Hulu. It's a, it's an episode called please baby, please. If you remember the episode that was pulled in, from ABC in 2018, I believe it was over the, uh, the kneeling, the NFL protests. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, interesting. I mean, we got to definitely give a shout out to our, our recurring freelancer, H. Drew Blackburn, mm-hmm. who uh, at the top of quarantine, he wanted to write a piece saying, please, can you please drop this episode? Like, this is the episode we need mm-hmm. right now in quarantine. And I don't know if he pitched it closer to the George Floyd stuff, but, yeah. you know, at the time I was like, well, I mean, we could write this, but it's kind of like fanfic like it's never gonna happen yeah you know and then yeah. <laughs> prove me wrong yeah now it's here now it's it's it's, it's funny the, the situations that make you feel like you got egg on your face but you know I, it's it's a, a important episode I'm, I'm glad that both sides are able to come together and let it be seen for people but you know hey maybe 
history happens for a reason. We wouldn't have had black AF if it wasn't for, you know, this episode and what it did. So, you know, shit, shit happens. But yeah, check that out. It's on Hulu. Yeah, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. If you want to listen to more Watch Less, go to Watch Less on Apple Podcasts. I would personally recommend you going back and listening to our episode with Yasser Lester from uh, Black Monday and Black AF writing fame. We get into a lot of stuff about Black TV, especially about like the, the 90s Black TV resurgence and why that died out and, you know, what, what that means for today, among a number of other things. And also, again, mentioned at the top of the show, want to shout out Rebecca and the whole camp at The Alarmist. Again, you can catch us over there, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We are the episode about the Kanye West and Taylor Swift beef. Again, that was a really fun episode to to sit down and go. We got deeper. Like, I figured we were just going to be on some VMA shit. But, uh, you know, the, the these types of conversations can't just be about bottles of Hennessy and, you know, what fragile they call feelings. us for. <laughs> That's what you need the, the heavy hitters for. But, yeah, like I said, watch less. That'll do it for us this week. We're here every Wednesday, 6 a.m., Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. You can always catch up with us at Complex Pop on Instagram and Twitter. Complex.com is the website. Go to the Pop Culture Vertical. You can see everything from Frazier's interview with Nicholas Braun about his recent Emmy nomination. And the honestly, like the craziest week he had during that nominations week to, you know, random conversations about some of the dope shit that we're watching every now and again, as well as catching back up on episodes of Watch Less. They are on Complex.com as well. For Fraser Tharp, the summer man, I'm Cal advising you as always, keep your goddamn mask on. You should have like crazy hand sanitizers on deck, six feet away from whoever's in front or behind or in your square. Matt, just stay the fuck up. Matt, stay home, watch Lovecraft Country, listen to this podcast, go on the website, and then wait for us to come back next week for more of these shenanigans. We'll catch you until then. Peace. Peace. Watch Less is hosted by Fraser Tharp and myself, Cal. Our producer is Taliba Newman. Our associate producer and sound engineer is Jasmine Plata. Our editor is Tyler Boltheis. Our production manager is Chancel Correa. Talent booker is Anthony Allred. Our junior booker is Austin Bailey. Our director of talent relations is Kristen Price Harrell. Senior Director of Operations is Jen Stewart. The watch list is a part of the Complex Podcast Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>